I said, let's see, I'm showing up with a shotgun, <laughs> threatening to take the lives of these people who are stealing my fish. I said, I said, okay, Lord, if your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you'll heat burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I said, no way. <laughs> that, that is the way we need to do it because it's so different from both the world's way as well as our flesh. Uh, that's Phil Robertson from one of America's favorite reality shows from a few years back, uh, Duck Dynasty. And I would encourage you to stay with us to hear what happened as he confronted the men stealing fish from his nets. It's a refreshing way to apply the gospel. Welcome to Refocus with Jim Daly, a podcast production from Focus on the Family. I recently spent time in Louisiana with Phil Robertson and his son, Al, talking about some really hard times in their lives when they lived in rebellion from God. And on the flip side, how God completely changed their lives. And a long time ago, someone told me, you want to see evidence of somebody committing their life to Christ? That's then the work of the Holy Spirit. If you see a changed life, a changed heart, a changed attitude, that's evidence that somebody has uh, accepted Christ and the Holy Spirit is changing their attitude. Um, in his 20s, Phil was a heavy drinker and doing drugs. His life and marriage were uh, the best way to say it, just a complete mess. Al, his oldest son, experienced his own complete mess and hard knocks. He was involved with a married woman and nearly got himself killed because of it. Uh, God did a miracle in both of their lives, and you're about to hear their amazing story. Also, I'm excited to announce there's a new movie coming out this Thursday, September 28th, about Phil's troubled past and his conversion experience. It's called The Blind, and we're going to discuss that as well. I want to encourage you to buy movie tickets in advance to help get this powerful movie with a strong Christian message into even more theaters. You can sign up for updates at theblindmovie.com. Refocus gives me this opportunity to speak with wonderful guests and hear how God has impacted their hearts for Christ and how we can reach others with the same love and grace you're about to hear with Phil Robertson and Al Robertson. Right away in this discussion, you're going to hear Phil thumbing through the well-worn pages of his Bible to share the good news with you because he can't help but want you to experience the new life he found in Christ. It's from that love for you that he speaks. Here's that conversation with Phil and Al Robertson on Refocus with Jim Daly. Phil, Al, thanks for letting me come down your way here in the bayou. Did I say that right? You did. You know, I'm from Colorado, so I don't know. Bayou. <laughs> bayou. But it sounds good. Yeah. And uh, so good if to If you were further south, it'd be the bow. <laughs> the bow? The bow. I'm, I'm lost there, now. Bayou here. So you're, you're you know, good. we hunted ducks through, through where you're talking about out there in the, in the west, but uh, all the way up through Idaho, California. We, really? We, Oh, yeah. Some of the best people I've ever seen. I mean, they had a lot That's of ducks. Yeah. They allowed us to hunt on them, so we went out there and duck hunting. But some of it was in the what? What, what state do you say? You Colorado. Were? Colorado. Yeah, we it's we nice were state. downtown Colorado. It looked like because there were, you know, what what do you call it? You got up there suburbs. <laughs> yeah, well, they had this, suburbs. They suburbs. Had this There's pond. only five million people <laughs> in the whole state. They had the pond with uh, cement banks. 
and the guy had a duck blind right out in the middle of it, and and the houses had gone all the way around him. But just he just got swallowed up. But he could still hunt there, and people were sitting up on their porch drinking coffee, watching him hunt, watching the ducks come story. down. But 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 he you were hunting in a subdivision. Subdivision. You know, I think that's my neighbor, and the HOA is after yeah. that guy. I said, y'all got it going around here. I said, but these ducks here, they don't even act like they're afraid of all these houses. So they just ride down in the middle of the subdivision. That's amazing. Boom 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 you boom got boom boom. Bears down. Down here, you got bears. We, we got lots of bears. We do, but but we normally don't in our part of the state. But uh, I think there's been such a population. Yeah, they stock the state, and they they've got more and more all the yeah, time. We're starting to see them in our neighborhood. We're probably pushing them your way. Yeah, right. <laughs> we stopped we feeding like them. Yeah. Hey, Phil, let's start uh, with your story. Of course, uh, you've got a movie coming out, The Blind, that is based on that story. Um, you kind of had that life of self destruction. Kind of describe where you were at as a teenager and what was going on. I just never put Christianity into practice. Mom and Dad, they were they were faithful to the Lord, but uh, I don't know how you you look at the kids today. Somewhere along the line, I just didn't get it. When Jesus said, "The Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of men, they will kill him, and on the third day he'll be raised from the dead." Well, he says that. Every time he says that, if you're looking, I put a little yellow yellow paint on it. So I'm <laughs> going to die, be buried, and raised from the dead. I missed it. Yeah. I, I missed it. Well, There's let me another, ask- nothing here. You know, you turn two chapters. We're going up to Jerusalem. Sound like what he said a while ago. You know, and the Son of Man will be betrayed into the chief priest, very religious, teachers of the law, very religious, they will condemn him, oh no, to death and will turn him over to the Gentiles to be mocked, flogged, and crucified. He said he's outlining the most brutal thing a person could have happened to him, just beat him to death, string him up like some kind of animal. Well, if you start there, that's the middle of Matthew. He just keeps saying that all the way through. And look, when you get to the end, he says after he beat death, they did string him up. Peter and all of them hit the road. They said, we need to get out of here. You know, they're going to kill us too. So everybody deserts him. He dies on a cross, is buried, and raised from the dead. And look, therefore, here's Jesus talking after he was raised from the dead. I missed this. I didn't know you could live forever when I was... It, it, it didn't get down to me. I just said, well, you know, that's the one that gave you to eternal life. I'm like, eternal life? Well, let's see. One of the reasons you think about it, I didn't get any any gospel, which is what I'm quoting here. I didn't get it from anywhere. My high school teachers, not a word. But let's, College it- professors, eight years. I went to school over there, got my master's degree. No Jesus, none, none, not not one person. Let me push you a little bit. You sure nobody said anything, or did you not hear it if it was said? Whatever, I don't think they said it. <laughs> no, I mean, better told me that. I'd at least got he got my attention. All authority after he was raised from the dead in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. That's what we do now. That's what I do. The movie is about when I chains over and said well i told him a while ago we we are hunting the ducks and deer and we're going to hunt but we're going to hunt men 
and we're going to try to get this in their hard heads. In other words, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything I commanded you. I, when I ran on to the guy who showed me this, I said, give me a little time because I'm going home and I'm going to look over my notes on what you've told me about this Jesus. And I'm going to find out if you're telling the truth or lying because that almost sounds too good to be true. Huh. I said, remove everything rotten, filthy thing you've ever done and raise you from the dead, give you eternal life. I said, I miss that, but so I need to check this out. How old were you in that 20, conversation? About 28. 28. By the way, I'm 28. So I've gone across the country since that time for the last 50 years telling people Jesus died, was buried, and raised from the dead. He, he'll raise you from the dead. He'll remove all your sins. I said, look, dude. I said, I mean, you, you, you get it all when you come to him. So when I figured it went home and studied what the guy had showed me, I said, how in the world did I miss that? That's so, a fair question. I mean, that's what gives you the passion today to say it the way you say it, right? You want to make sure everybody hears it. Try my best. Yeah, and you do a great job. Al, you're the oldest son. You kind of saw the change in your dad. How old were you? Uh, and, and kind of what environment were you in? Sorry, Phil, we got to talk about that, but everybody starts somewhere, right? Party on the weekend, stay gone weeks at a time. Yeah, but you get know, drunk, get high, get my, laid. From from my perspective, Jim, it was, you know, I was. We, we started out. Dad wasn't quite where he got to. You know, uh, uh, usually that bad lifestyle takes a while to accrue, and yeah. that's the way it was with Dad. So my earliest memories when we were there, small town, South Arkansas. Dad was teaching school. He walked me to school every morning. You know, there there were a lot of good memories. I mean, I looked up to my dad a lot. So even when things got bad, from a kid's perspective, it's still your dad. Boy, you know? I know that feeling. Yeah, and you still love it. Wow. it, it it's, it's not healthy. It's not good, but you still love him. You respect him. And so that's the way it was for me. So I really didn't realize the change in him until obviously much later when the whole lifestyle change came about. When you're a kid, you just sort of adapt into that environment. So, you know, we moved to that bar situation and at that time I was seven years old. And so I had an awareness of everything that was happening and, and I, but I didn't know yet that this wasn't good. This is just, right. was the, this is and life. so like when dad would come out and beat some guy up, you know, for doing something inside the bar and I'm watching the fight, I thought, man, that's my dad. You know I mean? He's, he's the baddest dude in South Arkansas. And that's all that matters. And that's all that matters. So yeah. it's interesting. And, and you can relate to this. I know because I read your book that from a kid's perspective, you adapt. It's kind of like the military, you adapt and overcome. And so you don't really, I don't think, appreciate the blessings of it, especially the life change until quite a bit later. And so that's kind of, I think, how it was for me. I was very, mom relied on me a lot to help with my brothers because, you know, we had a this small family that was so fractured and I didn't realize they were having the problems they were having because, they again, they kind of shield that from their kids. And so I just thought it was my role to take care of my brothers, you know. Oldest son. Oldest son. And yeah. that's what you do. And you're the responsible one. So It's, that was it's embarrassing yeah. to, for me to look at that that movie. It embarrasses me because I said, I wish I'd have had enough sense not to do that. Well, you know what the good news is? You did have the sense. And you changed it. And the Lord changed you. And here that's we right. are today. And look what God's done with your life. Yeah. So that is the best part of the story. But it does Now I haven't, I haven't given a curse word come out of my mouth and 
50 years. Yeah. I mean, Isn't that a change? <laughs> I mean, think yeah. of that. I tell people that, and they're like, they said, I'm still cussing. I said, I'm not. But, said, you know, Dad. Resurrection of the dead, your sins removed. I, I'd keep a clean mouth over that. Well, Dad was reluctant even about us doing this project, and but I was one of the main proponents saying, Dad, we got to do this. I mean, and I, I was there, mm-hmm. but I was like, there's so many families out there that are going through this that, like, or oh, yeah. they just need a little sliver of hope. So someone, someone that may never go to a church building or anything else comes to a movie because that's, you know, entertainment in America. And then all of a sudden it's like, boom, that's my life up there. Yeah, and it's got to be hard to constantly be asked about where you were at and what happened and what Miss Kay was doing and how you're yep. feeling. But it does connect with everybody else. Uh, yep. What you were doing, people are still doing, and they need to hear the great news of the gospel. Really? So, I, you know, I even apologize that we got to ask those questions and set that up. And, yep. But it is the evidence of a changed heart. Right. This Always. is what you're preaching all the time. If you look at the ones who were following Jesus, Peter and all of them, I mean, they ran like with their tail between their legs. They hit the road. I mean, all of them, Peter and all of them deserted him, every one of them. But Jesus forgave every yeah. one of them and kept kept on going. You just think about that. Oh, I know. I mean, running with him for three years, you would have thought, watching the miracles, they would have said, no, we remember Peter, and I'm not going anywhere. Nobody's going to hurt you. You know, and he brought his sword out. But when he got right down to it, we all have weaknesses, and Jesus brought them all back in, and they took off with it. And to this day, the, the gospel is being preached. We're living proof. Yeah. So, Phil, that fork in the road, this is probably the most common thing we face as human beings. My dad didn't make a great decision. He was an alcoholic. He, I remember the night he and my mom started their divorce I was five years old and I came home my older brothers and sisters were at the house and he was drunk and he was had a hammer and he was hammering holes in the wall and telling us he was going to kill mom when she got home and and uh, it was chaotic the police came arrested him put him away and that was really for the next six years that was the last time I saw him I went and lived with him for a year after my mom died when I was 11 and it was better but he never made the decision that you made it had to been rough for a 10 11 year old well it was it was but the point of that is it's like that's what i miss as a a boy i didn't get a dad to say okay i believe in jesus yeah and what a blessing that had to be for your kids and for miss k and that takes courage yep i mean a lot of men don't have that courage for some reason why It, it took it took a while for me to get on my feet, but it was just a, just a step by step, you know. You know, it's it was hard for me to introduce the thought that my sins were not being counted against me because I was like, I was like this. But I was moving in the right direction. It was just kind of a slow get go. I tell the story about that one of my buddies. They came down. I wanted me to go up the road and get drunk with them, and I said they tracked me down to this place right out here, and uh, not about a mile from here. So I said, boys, the one y'all are looking for, I'm a different one. And of course they sitting there, you know, they take a drink. They said, what? Yeah. They said, I said, I'm not the one you're looking for. He died. I was speaking of my baptism. I said he died, was buried. I said this mm. is the new one been raised from the dead, you know. And they they looking at me, you know, 
course, I noticed they kind of didn't mind hitting the road. They said, I don't know about it. He done gone nuts. So he left. Twelve years after that little speech I gave him, he get out of my yard, hit the road. I'm not going anywhere with you boys. I said, Jesus, number one. Well, 12 <laughs> years later, after I sent them all down the road, one of them called and said the doctor said he could die at any point, had an aneurysm near his heart. He was telling me that. I said, remember 12 years ago, you wanted me to go get drunk with you? You wanted me to know why I didn't go get drunk with you? Because if I had an aneurysm and it might pop any time, I'm going to need some help or I'm going to die here in hell bound. Because he, he said, go back over the whole thing and let me hear it. So I preached the gospel with him, baptized him, and look, he fell dead about two months later, standing on third base coaching. You know, he's a coach. He just fell dead right there. But he made it, but he cut it pretty thin. Right, no kidding. Then they asked me to come to the church to do the funeral, and I'm like, I don't, wait a minute here, wait a minute. I don't... I don't I don't do funerals. I'm not actually a preacher or anything. <laughs> You're not a preacher. They said, well, he, he said if he died, he wanted you to do the funeral. So I said, well, that's what he wanted. I'll give her a whirl. So I got up there, you know, well, I had a pretty good packed house there. I said, I'm fixing to preach the gospel to everybody now based yeah. on where, where he, he was right in the casket right there, you know. Yeah. My final word with him was when I was giving the sermon was, I'll see him again. Yeah. Man, the uh, this is inter interesting. I just heard it the other day. I was talking to a psychologist, a Christian, but he had done some research, and he, his expertise is cataclysmic events like school shootings or hurricane survivors. And they found one element that a, a human being needs to possess to get through those catastrophic events and thrive. And I'm thinking, okay, here it comes, you know, resiliency or something like that. He said it's humility. Hmm. And as I hear your story, I mean, that ends up being the element that you can be humble enough to say, I need help. And that other guy, your old guy, probably wasn't, right? I found once I had turned to Jesus and said, you will be Lord from this point on, I found that the greatest thing he gives us is peace of mind, mm -hmm. peace of mind. Peace of mind is a hard commodity to reach, but only in Jesus will you ever find peace of mind. It's the only, he's the only way to, to do it. See, I'm looking at it now, I'm like, boy, you're never gonna get peace of mind throwing drunks, you know, and being immoral, you know, and cursing, like, it, it's not gonna give you peace of mind. It's just the opposite. But you have to be humble to recognize that, I think, and that, that's the thing. Let me ask you about Miss Kay, because she's, she's a person that, at least from a distance, when I look at the two of you, she's a wife that can keep you humble. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, either with a and frying, that has with, grown exponentially. With a frying pan. I spent a, or... I spent a number of years saying, don't hold it against me. <laughs> but she's a tough cookie, right? She's, she's, she's a pretty tough cookie. And she's gotten tougher as she's gotten older. Oh, There's yes, no she doubt about that. So how, what role did she play in kind of being the anchor in some ways prior to you accepting Christ? I mean, always took care of the kids and all yeah. that, you know. And she didn't get up in my face, you know. She just weathered the whole thing. But looking back on it, I thought, I mean, it's just downright embarrassing. I thought, what a grown man behaving like that. But America is full of them. I mean, we got people running around 
I don't know what they're up to, but what's coming out of them is it's just absolutely. It's I, it's, it's sad to me, yeah. but a lot of people take it, you know. But but it's, it, it's just a sad thing to watch our young people unschooled in the way of God, yeah. not allowed to talk about Jesus, the Son of God. If they could just get the gospel out there, it sure help them. But so yeah. far, well, you know, Jim, it's interesting because there were a lot of takeaways for me from the movie. But one of the things that stood out to me that was really good was the the actress, the adult actress that played mom. She captured mom's optimism, you know, because mom was always optimistic through the whole process. I mean, that was the one thing Which I Which is remember. amazing. It's amazing because you're living in such a tough situation, and yet yeah. she still kept holding on to hope that it was going to get better, that he was going to change, that things were going to happen as she had always hoped as a child. You know, and, you can't get this really through good. the schools, what I was talking about. Yeah. You can't go through the school system to encourage some of these young bucks that are on their way to, you know, come out no. and whatever. So you say, well, what could we do? Maybe if you show them a film on, on, on a real-life film from somebody you've heard of, mm. but you don't know him very well, and you say, well, so that's how that works. You know, There's so much you, of a head. You love God, yeah. you know, and then you love your neighbor. I heard somebody say the other day, that I think it was a feminist, a liberal woman, who said there's not many good men who are liberals. Where are all the men? Yeah. They, they don't produce good that's men. Exactly that's my right. point. And that's part of the problem, right? That's yeah. it. Um, I'm sorry, you were going to finish No, that I was going to say, yeah, that, that so that optimism, I think, you know, cascaded over. And then, of course, in the film, of course, in, as in real life, she reaches a breaking point, as we all do, where as optimistic as you are, you begin to think, well, maybe it's not going to change. And then it does. And so it's really interesting because, because of mom and dad's decisions that they made, what they didn't realize at the time, it wasn't just their decision to do the right thing. And now, finally, they had Christ number one in their hearts. But that then changed our dynamic going forward because I, I was a prodigal son later, but I, now right. I had We're a mom. Get and, to that. Yeah, I had a mom <laughs> and dad to come home to. Right. You know, and, and Phyllis always says our, our sister that we discovered that was a product of that period of dad's life that we didn't know about for forty four years. She comes back and she looks at the calendar and says, "You know what? The year I was born, my dad was reborn." Well, you can make a statement like that when you realize the power of decision. And yeah. what it does to change people's lives. And so now we have that relationship. So it really was something now that has set a destiny course for generations. Yeah. And people, that went by really quick. So yeah. we got to frame that a little oh, bit. Oh, yeah, yeah, So, yeah. Phil, you had an affair, basically, right? Uh, many affairs. And that was prior but, to you coming but, to the Lord. But you're drunk as you're coming through the affairs. It's just a drunken, I, I don't remember their name, who, what they did, where they came from. See what I'm saying? I do. We'd just be in the middle of nowhere down there in the woods a lot of time, just running around, just just nuts. I never got drunk at home huh. in front of Miss Kay and the boys. I huh. never, never got drunk there. Why do you think that was? Hiding, you know. Oh, uh, you were hiding. Hiding it, hiding it, you know. Just. Yeah. You know, it was interesting, Jim, because Phyllis had sent us a letter because they had done DNA searches. And now with, you know, 23andMe and DNA, you right. know, like you start finding things. So she found out her dad, she thought was her dad her whole life, wasn't. So she's searching for her dad. Two years she's searching. 
and the search leads her to us, to our family. And what's interesting is when I took the letter out to mom and dad, because, you know, I'm kind of the oldest son still. Yeah. Like, so responsible. Responsible. Yeah, so let it's me, like, let me, fix let me it take all. this out here. So I take two copies out. And it was one of the most surreal experiences of my life because you hand a letter to your parents that you know potentially is going to be a huge life changer for our whole family. Yeah, you got a little tremble in you. Yeah, a lot. Yeah. And so I had that to them. It was really interesting watching their responses because it, it taught me something I never knew living through that era. Dad doesn't remember any of that era. Huh. It's like it's just, you know, that yeah. was a, his life. And like he just said, he has no. So he's reading the letter, and there's some some specifics in there that, that Phyllis's mom had given. And he's like, no, nah, nah. you know, like mom, but mom remembered everything. Wow. Because she wasn't drunk and right. high. So she's like, mm-hmm, yep, mm-hmm, oh yeah, I remember that place. So was, I'm watching my parents and like one has no memory of this life and one still remembers all of it. Yeah. And so it was really interesting to watch them to, then the discussion happen is like, what do you think? And they said, well... I think we can know, but we have to do a DNA test to find out. And so dad's like, all right, line it up. Yeah. And that was it. I mean, you it was, know, <clears throat> that's part of the beauty of how God has recreated you, Phil. I mean, your authenticity, your straightforwardness, it's refreshing and also scary for people to see. Most people don't get down to yeah. the explanation of some of the things they dealt with. But you think about it, that John 10, when Jesus talking to the ones who are going to kill him or try to kill him, the most religious people on the face of the earth. He said that they were their father, Satan. He said, your father is the devil. He is the father of lies and the father of murder. He's the father of murder and lies, and you folks have got both. So he was dealing with them. Well, as it turned out, they did kill him. But they didn't realize that three days later, he was going to stand there and say, check this out, boys. <laughs> <laughs> so, so when he pulled that off, but I just gave you the first and the second. All authority in heaven and earth had been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptize them. So he's, that's marching orders. So when I read that, I thought, I said, you know, when you get right down to it, it's not rocket science at all yeah it, it it's just right there in front of us yeah but if we we've got to figure out some way to get people to at least check him out yeah i mean that's the point right i remember meeting with a woman uh from planned parenthood i just said on the focus program you know if you're in the abortion business and you want to make it rare i'd love to meet you because i'd like to make it so rare it doesn't happen and she was brave enough to come to the office and we had a great meeting but it started with her trembling she came into the office literally shaking i said are, are, i'm sorry are you okay and she said well my friend said you're going to put a voodoo hex on me and i started laughing and she looked at me like why are you laughing i said i i'm not going to try to put a voodoo what do you know about christianity and what do you know about christ she yeah, said you, you, know you were what? dealing with the one way more than voodoo what, right <laughs> well she said i don't know much all i know is you want to kill us and I said, can I tell you something? I mean, I'm the president of Focus. I don't know a single Christian that wants to kill you. Nobody. Yeah, that's right. So that's a lie. Yeah, that's and right. secondly, do you mind if I take a few minutes and tell you who Jesus was? She goes, I'd appreciate that. No one has ever done that. Wow. To your point, Phil. And so when you, I mean, sometimes we're lacking that boldness to say it. Yeah. Yeah. 
And, and I tell you what, Jim, that's, I want to say this to your audience. You, that's what I respect and love about you so much. First time Lisa and I met you in your office, your authenticity came across that you'll talk to anybody about anything. And and I, I know that's part of the way you were raised, just like me. It just keeps you open because right. you never that's know. Who you are. That's exactly right. But I think that's why well, you know you're so you. successful. That's very you know what most people don't realize. The Apostle Paul is writing in in the book of Romans. Look, the very thing that Jesus said, I'm going to do. I'm going to go out. I'm going to run into the chief priests, teachers of the law. They're going to kill me. Three days, I'm going to be raised from the dead. And so he takes off. When the, by the time he does all that, when they get to, he, he reinstates, gets, a, gets the apostle Paul, who was a heathen, killing people. First paragraph, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God, the gospel he promised beforehand. Well, that's where I was reading a while ago. Grace and peace be to you, with my heart, whole heart, pray, pre preaching the gospel. Again, I'm obligated both to Greeks. I'm just reading down I'm uh, to the foolish. That's why I'm so eager to preach the gospel to you who are at Rome. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's our mantra, this podcast. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. For in the gospel, his death, burial, resurrection, a righteousness from God is revealed. It's by faith, just as it is written, the righteous to live by faith. And that ended up being our mantra and what we're saying. Look, it goes on and on. Every book in the Old in the New Testament, as you thumb through these pages, you run up on them. Look, over and over. Look, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. I preach to you, which you receive, which you've taken your stand. By this gospel you saved, if you hold to the word I, I, I gave you, otherwise you believed in vain. What I received, I passed it on to you, of the Corinth. First importance, that Christ died for us, according to the scripture, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day. I just want to remind you of that. <laughs> so with us, when we go across the country, all we tell them, is about Jesus, him becoming flesh, dying on a cross, being buried, raised from the dead, staying 40 days, and to the right hand of the Father he goes. He said, I'll stay there, and when this thing ends, the heat's going to build, and I'm going to come out, I'm going to destroy it all, but for the ones who love me and put their faith in my death farm and my resurrection, they live. They Man. live on. I mean, so he's it not asking get better than that. It's just the word. <laughs> he's not asking for the moon here. He's just saying, "Do you believe in Jesus?" I said, <laughs> "I mean, your life it depends on it." But part, you know, part of this is yeah, just hearing it straight and letting the Lord do His work. And you sometimes bet. we're trying to do the acting That's piece. Just the Lord's going to stop Jesus. that. I can't That's use that. Just tell Him the word. Exactly. Phil, let me ask you this: the uh, this is a struggle I have all the time inside my own heart. I mean, you are the guy's guy. You're the man's man, and uh, yet the Scripture, especially the New Testament, is so full of how we should behave. In fact, and people have heard me say this, I went to lunch with David Horowitz. You remember him? Mm -hmm. He was a hard lefty communist who came hard right now and yeah. fights. He's a secular Jew, but right. fights hard for education and freedom yeah. in education. 
And we're at lunch, and he's going, Jim, don't you know you're in an alley fight? And the other side has switchblades, and they're going to cut you up. I said, David, no, we're not stupid as Christians. We know that. Yeah. It's just that our weapons of warfare are love, joy, peace, goodness, gladness, mercy. And he goes, wow, those aren't very good weapons. <laughs> and that's to my point. They are okay, very powerful weapons. But here, here's how I want you to frame this. I mean, you're a man's man. I battle with this every day. Yet our weapons are love, joy, peace. Just encourage us guys in that struggle that it's not feminine. It's not being a woman to be kind to people. It's being Christ-like. And so often in the church today, if you we're, do, kind of, we're kind of angry at people. Yeah. We just want to pound people and yeah. knock them down emotionally. If you don't have the qualities of your Savior, Jesus Christ, if you don't have the qualities, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, <laughs> against such things, there is no law. You say, so Paul was telling the Galatians, the acts of the sinful nature, here's what I had, they're going to film, make a movie of it. Most people who walk in, if they don't know Jesus, here's what you're going to see. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, top of the list. You're like, yeah, that would be at the top of the list, all right. Look here. Impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness. I'm like guilty, 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 orgies and the like. I warn you as I did before, those who live like this, they will not inherit the kingdom of God. Well, then he says, but the fruit of the Spirit you receive when you come to Jesus. The fruit of the Spirit. Well, I just quoted love, joy. And just think about it, which would be the best route to take? <laughs> just with common sense. <laughs> Someone, someone said, well, wait, I mean, we're out there. Y'all are doing this nutty things. You, all these things they accuse us. We're like, I don't think you understand what this is all about. It's about you loving God and loving your neighbor. Right. And he wrote it down for you. Here's how you should behave. <laughs> and then we say to ourselves, how should we behave? It's not rocket science. <laughs> I, I'm, you know, people yeah. say, I don't know. It's so hard to be a Christian. I said, so hard. I said, he, so it's not hard out there running up and down the road, getting drunk, high, ended up in, up in the, the prison, and the, all these different things they've erected for y'all. I said, why don't you just repent and receive Jesus as Lord and do what he says? Phil, let me, let me push on that in Galatians, the, the fruit of the other guy, as I yeah, like to refer yeah. to it. Those are the big ones, the sexual ones. And oh. we as Christians say, oh, good, I'm not doing that. But in that list are some things that we do do, yep. like division, yep. gossiping, sowing dissension. These are things that we tend to do. So listen to this. Do not be deceived. He goes on to say here, don't be deceived. A man reaps what he sows. You say, yeah. The one who sows to please his sinful nature, I did it. From 18 to 28, about a 10-year run, the one sorrows to please his sinful nature. From that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, 
For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest and we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, you live your life. Let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. So I ask everybody at their listening here, what is the downside to that? <laughs> Just get up and spoken. behave yourself. Yeah. Somebody said, you talking to me? I'm like, yeah. I mean, you're, you're out getting drunk, high, tearing up stuff, dangerous. I said, your parents don't know where you I said, why don't you just try following Jesus and you will reap benefits that was far beyond your thinking at this point. So true. It's the best way to roll. And that's why we're here. <laughs> Al, listening to your dad, I mean, talk about being a, a hellion, basically, from 18 to 28. Yep. You decided to start a little earlier, about 14, right? Yeah. I yeah. mean, that's your story. And people would say, you know, the fruit doesn't fall far from the tree. But he changed. Right. And you were still kind of caught in what was, and probably modeled, and not all your dad's fault, but no. just what you saw all around. So what was your story at 14? You know, I, th and I think, Jim, just from my experience now being in ministry for so long, teenagers all have to face a decision when they kind of get to that age of awareness. You know, when it kind of one day, girls look different, things look different, I'm starting to think differently. And you, you usually will follow a pattern one way or the other. Yeah. Either how you came up, you don't like it at all, and so you want to do something totally different, or you fall into the pattern of what you knew. And so I think in my case, it was that. Like, I had been a solid kid, like like I said, dependable, the oldest son. You know, I had been in church. Like, mom and dad never went, but all those years when dad was running the bar, the preacher and his wife came and picked me up and took me. So I had every advantage, even coming out of a non-Christian home, to still have a Christian experience, a spiritual experience. Because I feel like now, looking back, God put people in my life to give me things that I would need later. But when I got right. to 14, I had a decision to make. But instead of making the right one, you know, now our lives are so good, I chose the other path. And it was just a darkness that every I think every person has to face at some point in their life. For me, it was 14. By the time I was 17, I'd graduated school early, and Dad, now my lifestyle, I was a double secret agent for a long time. You know, I was, I was living this life on the weekends, but then Sunday I'm at church, I'm trying to do right. Mom and Dad, you begin to hear things, because when you're a double secret agent, your truth comes out. <laughs> and so finally, Dad sits me down in his truck and says, Al, you know, your life is out of control. i got people showing up here, you know, you're doing things with their daughter. I mean, now that you can't hide it anymore, it's right. there. And so dad's like, you know, we love you some, but, you know, you've got to make a decision. You've either got to change the way you're living and get back in here with us and do the right thing, or you got to hit the road and go see what it's all about. And he just gave me that choice. And, of course, at that time, I wasn't ready yet, you know, just kind of like he was. And you're how old at this point? At this point, 17 years old. 17. Just graduated high school. And I was like, all right, I'm out of here then. And so I just chose my path. The one good thing I've always appreciated about dad all through my years is he knows that we have to make our own call. Mm -hmm. And so he didn't like run after me and, oh, please don't go. He was like, okay, you got to go see, go see. You know, and I'm sure he and mom spent a lot of nights praying during that next two years that I was off in the world that I would come back. But at the same time, he knew he couldn't make me do it anymore. He whipped us one day with the belt. When we were 16 years old, we'd all gotten drunk and pulled a big stunt. And I think Dad knew that day that 
the yeah. that kind of discipline wasn't gonna work. That's anymore. done. That's By done. the way, you on know. the on the they pulled that drunk, and then I got wind of it. Well, one of the mothers of one of the guys who was with Al. There were four of us. Yeah. They came to see me, and they said, look, they, they all pulled a drunk. I said, I don't think my boy would pull a drunk this close to the house. I said. Because it was just on the other but, side but, of this property right here. But anyway, I said, I'll look into it. I said, now, when I, when, I, when I track them down and find out who it was, I said, I pulled out that leather belt. I said, I think it's time for me to give a little bit of strict discipline here. Because, you know, they get drunk up and don't tell them what's fixing to happen. Three licks. Three licks for drunkenness. But anyway, they all got their licks. It ended up they're all just as faithful brothers now. Wow, well, that's amazing. But we it, we didn't get it yeah. at the time. And just looking back on it, I realized it was Dad's last chance that's right. to, like, get us to do the right thing. Yeah. And, and, I, and I couldn't help but think about that, how, how God is with us, with his discipline that he's like trying to get us to that place of something good, but we're just so stubborn in it that we're not ready. And so, and I think that's where I was. And so I left even after all that. And then when I got into it, I went to New Orleans and lived down there and just debauchery. It was terrible. And then I finally down there came to my senses. I was just like that kid in Luke 15. You know, I was like, I literally looked around my, where my surroundings and thought, why am I here? I mean, I, I'm going to die here. Like, somebody tried to kill me. It was terrible. So I thought about home. And you said that kind of fast. Somebody tried to kill me. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's, that's a whole story. I mean, so so I was seeing this woman. <laughs> I'm now By now, I'm 18 years old. But I'm, I got a fake license that says I'm 21, so I can bar hop and all that. And so this woman that I'm seeing that I was working with, she was a nurse. She was 26. So I'm 18. And but she thinks I'm 21 because this is what I'm telling everybody. She's married, but says they've been separated for a year. What well, turns out they've been separated a month, which I've worked with enough couples now through the years to realize that's not that's not even a cooling off. You're, yeah, you're, you're still s- together, right? So this guy, this husband, finds me one day, which is totally understandable. You know, he's he's from the world. He was 23 or four, I think. Turned out to be a drug dealer. You know, on top of that, and you know, I'm sleeping with his wife. Well, how do men respond to that? Yeah. He took a crowbar and, you know, just tried to end my life. That's, that was the deal. And so it created this huge scene. It's in New Orleans. And actually, it's in Kenner, which is outside New Orleans. And there's cop cars everywhere. And, I mean, it was a deal, you know. And yeah. It was amazing I survived it. But when I was sitting there with all that going on, with the police lights and all that stuff, I mean, that's when it hit me. I thought, this this is not going to end well. Like, if I stay on this path, I'm going to die here. Hmm. And turns out he was a police informant, so nothing was going to happen to him, and the police let me know that. New Orleans cops are pretty tough. But one guy, the last guy, was a believer. And so every, all the cop cars left, and one guy was left. And he saw an opportunity. Huh. He saw me in that place, and he sat down next to me, and he just had a conversation with me. And it wasn't super preachy. But it was like I understood because I grew up a Christian. And so when he said, you need to go home, I was like, man, that was music to my ears. And then I was thinking, well, can I? Will they take me back? Then I was like the kid in Luke 15. Right. So I worked up my speech. I put in my notice at the hospital I was working at. And when I got home, mom and dad came out to meet me in the yard, you know, just like the father did in Luke 15. And it wasn't even – I was going to give my speech and – 
you know, say, right. you know, here's what I'll do. I know I've messed up and I had all this stuff planned to say and I thought about it for that five hour ride. And dad just says, welcome home, son. Mom hugged me. And dad said, we got duck calls to build. And so I tell people huh. now that we kill the fattened catfish and had a celebration. <laughs> the fattened catfish. <laughs> because a lost son had come home, right? Man, it's a, a dead parable. Yeah. I mean, the, it's exactly what exactly is in Scripture. Exactly what happened. Yeah. yeah and, I, and would so, just, I would just say, what, what's, what's gone is gone. But you know, if yeah, Dad had but, not made that decision, I wouldn't have had a home to come home to. Well, yeah. And it, like you were talking about earlier about not having a father. Right that makes that decision because maybe I would have never come home Yeah, because there wouldn't have been anything to come home to. So true. Phil, let me, I mean, this isn't the direction we planned on going, but when you talk about parenting, this is a struggle Gene and I have had with our boys saying, okay, how do we, how do we let them make the faith their own? Right. And I think moms generally really panic. Yeah. And when dad is saying, Hey, they got to go, they got to go. You're not going to be able to cork, especially young men, up and fix them by controlling them. But speak to that mom who's out of control herself in terms of the frenzy she's in to have a little trust in the Lord, I think, to say, you know, the prodigal path does produce some fruit. That's why it's so critical that you keep the family unit now in the duck commander thing. Four boys, one girl, one sister, and all their grandchildren, all of my grandchildren and their children. There's been no divorces. There's been discipline is, is put forth. It was he, when he came back from New Orleans, he, the prodigal was back, but now that's, that's all over. It's, right. it's, it's, you're, you're, you're grown enough now to make decisions for yourself. But, 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 if, but if the dad's not there and the mother's not there, grandma yeah. and grandpa, you know, for their children, well, all of it's intact so far. All of the duck command, all of them are intact. They're all faithful. So it's uh, pretty cool to watch now. I mean, yeah, it really is. But I do think, you know, you hear of Christian families where their kids go off to college and yep. they just spiral. Because oh, they've yeah. never had that freedom, That's right. and they don't really have the foundation. Yeah. And I think I think what I'm hearing you say, and I totally agree, and maybe it's a, a dad thing, that your kids are going to make their decisions. You've done the best you can do. We tend to, as parents, to own it because yeah. they reflect us, and we panic yep. that at 16, 17, they're doing things they shouldn't be it's doing. It's critical what they see and what they hear and how they see you interact with your wife, the, their mother. All that becomes a way more critical. Yeah. Um, because when they're out on their own, it's really they're still tied to the family structure. But if that family structure is not solid, got cracks in it. Well, and, and really, again, the thought that you don't control your kids. You think you do as yeah. a parent. That's right. But you don't. And right. the better thing is for them to know love and grace right. and truth. And, and you have to love give, covers a lot of ground. Yeah, and if you can give them that, they they have the ingredients. To me, I've always thought, Jim, that for me being a prodigal, that if you have to live in such a way that you have to allow them to make their own decision, just like you had to make your own decision yeah. to follow Christ, but you want to provide a place of consistency that they'll always know they can come back to. Yeah. And so you're right. I mean, I, I've dealt with so many parents through the years 
that just fret because sometimes that may take a year or two, like in my case. Sometimes or, it may take 10 years right. or 20. Right. And so you have to be patient. You have to be consistent in prayer. You have to say, I want to live in such a way as there's a place they can come back to. And my whole time I spent in ministry, I wanted a church that was a place people could come home to because that's the, what I did. Yeah. And so that's that really is what you want. If you alienate, like Dad gave me the... You got to go and live it. Yeah. But then also he had an open door for when I was ready to come yeah. back. You weren't quite sure it was there, but he, he was. He, did, he was. And Phil, in that regard, you look at the family now, starting with your decision and Miss Kay supporting you, sticking with you. She had yeah. every right to leave you. Oh, yeah. But she did what a good woman would do. I'm sure and glad stuck she with stayed. You. <laughs> and then you look at the boys now. Of course, you, Al, have become a pastor. Yeah. I mean, you've gone from all that. I mean, some people are gasping, going, he had an affair with a married woman. What? That's right. But you know what? Here's the reality. God uses broken people probably more than yep. people that are trying to be perfect yeah. because they know who they are. That's right. And they know what they are, and they know they need the Lord. That's right. Yeah, I'm contemplating even buying a suit. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> so, I'm so just joking. Don't, that, don't that, get nervous. Because you're so happy. <laughs> Dad and I both look at, we're both emboldened when we see the story of Saul becoming Paul to know that God can do anything with anybody. If yeah. you can be a killer of Christians. Yeah, he even said, I'm the worst. The, wor the worst. chief of sinners. And so when I look at my own things, which are bad enough, and I look at those and I, I thank God for his grace every day, at the same time I'm like, you know what? I didn't kill Christians. And yet I still find a pathway to Christ. So if, if Saul could become Paul, then he can do anything with me. You bet. Well, I feel that that's where, you know, drawn to a close here. I mean, uh, give it your all. Someone listening right now, there's going to be several people that are on the bubble spiritually. They have made that commitment. Yep. You've kind of laid it out there pretty clearly what needs to happen. But A, see the movie. It's a great film, and it will be even more descriptive than we could get to in this time together. But that soul that's just going, I don't know if he's full of you know what, or he's really onto something here. What do you say to that Who's person? Who's that? That, that person listening that's just going, well, oh. maybe Phil's right, but hasn't made the decision. Look, I know of two things. I know we've all sinned. Everybody is guilty of sin. And number two is we're going to die. Well, if you run up on somebody and his story is, I will remove your sin, take it away, considering you perfect, if you but just trust me here, and I will raise you from the dead and give you eternal life. You will live forever over this. Remove your sins, and I'll make sure you live forever. That's what's in this. I'm just asking them, you got a better story? It's <laughs> a good point. I mean, what, what's your story? Yeah. If, this, if that's not it, all your sins removed, you're going to be raised from the dead. You're going to live forever. Or... Just die in vain and with not having a chance at all. I'm like, whatever. Look, this is Philippians, and the Apostle Paul wrote it. An ex-murderer and a, this guy, he said it was the worst. This is what he says. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight times. Little book of Philippians. Uh, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. That's the first thing he said. He waited four verses. He said, I'm glad you're with me on the gospel. 
you, you just look three verses below that. Whether I'm in chains, they, they got him in prison, beating the fire out of it. Or contending and confirming the gospel. All of you sharing God's purpose with me. That's twice in the first paragraph. At the bottom. Now, I want you to know, brothers, that when what's happened to me, he's in prison. Uh, it's real. It's real, he said. But it's there to advance the gospel. I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The important thing is that whether false motives are true, Christ is priest. Because of him, I rejoice. Down at the bottom. Conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. Right below that, be firm in the spirit, contending as one man for the faith of the gospel. The gospel is the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus. That's why I said you read these books that they wrote. It's just one after the other. Make sure you get in their head. The power is in the death of Jesus, his burial, and resurrection. They can get out alive. You need to show them this. So that's what we're busily doing now. If it takes a movie, if the movie, if it garners, someone says, there's a, see, I'm sitting here. People are, the, the audience is getting bigger and bigger every Sunday morning. I drive up there. The audience out there, we're on the side of the church building. They, they won't let us out. They ran us over here on the side. <laughs> they said, you get on the side over there and the people who visit, They'll, they'll want to hear what you have to say. Well, through it all, I preach the gospel and every bit of that. They're coming from American Samoa. We baptize them from here, there, yonder. We're converting a lot of people, and the movie's not even hit yet. Well, I'm getting pretty stirred up because I'm thinking, good night. This thing, we can convert a lot of people over this thing. And that's what excites you. So if you're here and you're <laughs> wondering whether you want to watch the movie or not, trust us. We're trying to bring you to Jesus so you can live forever. <laughs> okay, with that, though, i got to capture this story because, Al, I think you shared this, and it was about a cruise you were trying to put together, mm -hmm. a Duck Dynasty cruise, yeah. and you drew the short straw. Who's going to ask Dad well, if he wants to do whisper, it? Right? You know? <laughs> <laughs> so you got to go into the room and say, Dad, uh, I want to do a cruise, a Duck Dynasty cruise. We really need you there. And Well, the deal was it was a great <laughs> situation for us, even financially. The show had just started. Sure. So it's like... But you, you got to get his commitment right, to get on the because ship. Because everybody has to be on the ship. And, and, and He didn't want to be. He didn't want to be. How many, by the way, that were Well, that's were the baptized. point. That's, exactly. that's, the, that's the point. When that's but what listen, I did. This is what's so funny, because you're like, I don't want to do be on a ship with a bunch of people I don't know. Boy, everybody resonates with that. That's right. But you said there's going to be non-believers there. That's You're going right. to be able to reach them for Jesus. And you said, what day do we got to go? What well. I actually said was, <laughs> Dad said... You're telling me I'm going to be in a boat with 3,000 people and I can't get off? And I said, yes, but you're going to be a, on a boat with 3,000 people and they can't get off. And you get to share the gospel. He said, I like the sound of that, Al. Yeah. And then that was it. Of course, you know, we, we made the pivot. We baptized 300 people. Yeah. That's awesome. That That's week, the whole point. That's you know, your heart. Baptisms at the Lido deck at 10 o'clock. The you know? preachers ask me, they say, uh, you know, they all gathered up and wanted to meet with me. I said, okay. So all the preachers that were there, they got out there. They had a preacher's conference yeah, they on board. they all sitting yeah. there, you know. And they said, do you, we want to know if you do seminars. 
I said, you just heard it. <laughs> but when Jesus you... died, was buried, and raised from the dead, that seminar is over. You're stealing some great material That's and right. repeating that. Exactly. But you were at the Dome, weren't you? When uh, I mean, I think you're doing a talk to a thousand people or so at the, yep. at the Dome, but talking about duck calls. Well, yeah, I put my duck early. calls first. That was early, and you yeah. and yeah, I put my duck calls up, and I said, well, I mean, on my Bible, I said, I said, let me see right here. I put my duck calls in a bag and I reached in and I said look what I found and I had the Bible I said I'm going to give you a few words in, uh, with the duck hunt I said just listen carefully here well, two or three of them told me later they said man you go run everybody off they, 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 they're not going to hit like that I said I'm trying to give them the keys to eternal life Jesus him crucified and raised from the dead I said what are you talking about I said I got to tell them he was standing underneath the uh, Anheuser-Busch King of Beers sign, and he said, "Only Anheuser-Busch. He was the king. He is the King of Beers. I drink him anyone, but I quit all that, boys." And he held his Bible. He said, "I'm gonna tell you about the King of Kings." <laughs> Boom! Boom! <laughs> all of a sudden, all those kids are like, "Whoa!" I just remember old boy that worked for us. He said, "You go run off all of your business." I yeah. said. I yeah, said, I, do so. I just love your heart. I seriously <laughs> do, Phil. And I think that's what appeals to so many people. It's just straightforward and out there. This is yeah. what I'm reading. Let me tell you what I read. And you can go read it, too. Yeah, It's and, not <laughs> really contrary to what some say. It's not rocket science. It's pretty simple, really. Some One appears, the one you're counting time by is what I tell them. I said, the one you're counting time by, he died and was buried and raised from the dead. I said... When he showed up, that's we look at that as the beginning of time. All the years before Jesus got here are called all the years before he got here. <laughs> I said, now he's here. We've got him documented. You know, you say, well, this is when he showed up. I said, he died for the sins of the world, was being yeah. raised from the dead. That's our message. We love you. Take it or leave it. But that's what God has done for you. And you got to love the boldness. I interviewed a woman who was a human rights attorney uh, in Romania during Ceausescu, the dictator. Yeah. Right. And she told me the story and she's like five foot tall and a hundred pounds. And the government was out to kill her. They had beaten her. They had yeah. threatened her. And an assassin was sent by the president and he sets an appointment at her law office in Romania, comes in, takes a gun out, puts it right at her head and says, I've been sent here to kill you. And she said, which is human, she felt the blood fall away from her. Like, And then she said, okay, if that's what you're here to do, will you just give me a minute to share the gospel with you? That's the test. Wow. That's the test. And she did it, and get this, he accepted Christ. Wow. And she, she, he came to her office in Dallas 30 years later, and she didn't remember him, and he said, you don't know who I am, do you? And he pulled out his old secret police card, and she went, wow, what are you doing here? And he said, I just want you to know, I accepted the Lord that day, became a pastor, and built a Christian school in Romania. Wow. And to her credit, this is what, and this, Phil, this is what you're doing. She said, all you could do is testify to the truth and let God own the outcomes. Yep. If he would have killed me, I did my job. That's if you right. didn't kill me, yep. I did my job. That's right. And you're doing the we job. We actually have, a lot, have it a lot better than all the apostles. They killed every one of them but Peter. 
I mean, not uh, John. 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 But he did get the oil dip. <laughs> and a lot of other bad stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. but thank you for your, just the firmness and the way you do it and the loving way you do it. It's an awesome hey. example of how to get it done. Yeah. Jesus, so, number one. Hmm. Phil, you have a story about some guys looking for fish and fishing in some nets that you had laid out, I think. Yep. And you decided to take care of that a certain way. What happened? Well, I noticed that I had some people coming up, rednecks, stealing my fish. I was trying to make a living off the fish, selling the fish. So I was making about two fifty a week. I was surviving on that. That's two hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah, that's two dollars. Yeah. Big money. So I thought I said, you know, I got to shut that down. So the first few groups I would hide tear out of the bushes with the boat and motor, threaten them to, to sell my, get off my fish, quit stealing my fish. So I was using a shotgun to talk over to scare them away. Usually well, just laid across your lap. Yeah. You didn't usually point it out. Yeah. So I read Romans 12, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. I said, let's see, I'm showing up with a shotgun, threatening to take the lives of these people who are stealing my fish. I said, I said, okay, Lord, if your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you'll heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I said, no way. I said, that's not going to work. These people, they're going to keep stealing. If I, I said, wait a minute. I haven't tried the Jesus way yet. I said, I'm going to give her a try. So the next bunch I caught out there, I'm in the bushes. I'm looking at them. They're running one of my nets. I go out there. I'm on them quick. They saw me coming, you know, and they were throwing my net back in the boat, you know, and all. And I said, looks like y'all are going fishing today. I said, y'all hungry for fish? I said, you don't have to steal them. I'll give them to you. And they looked at each other, <laughs> you know. I had my shotgun, but it wasn't in my hands. It was just just lying there beside me. I said, you don't have to steal from me. I'll give you fish. The Lord said, be good to everybody. I said, I don't, I don't hate you boys for stealing. I said, look, but if you get fish hungry and you can't catch any, I said, just come to me, holler. I said, see that house up on the hill? That's my house. I said, all you got to do is go up there and holler. Phil, we need some fish. You don't have to steal them anymore. I'm going to give them to you. It's free. They said, we're going to leave right now because it scared them. <laughs> He's thinking, this, this guy's guy, crazy. He's either an idiot, or, but he's got a gun, but he didn't reach for it. So I got the net up in the boat. I said, ooh, y'all, look what y'all was fixing to catch. <laughs> so I said, how many are coming for the fish fry? Because if you're stealing fish, you're bound to know how many is coming. He said, well, let's see that we're counting them, you know. I ain't so and so. You had a up. number. I need about six of that. I said, enough for how many? I said, 10 or 12. They said, I don't think that many. I said, let's just go 10 or 12. So I gave them plenty of fish, and I said, have a good day. They cranked their motor, you know, and they, 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 they're leaving. They're watching me. They leave. 
The amazing thing is, all up and down the river, they all quit stealing from me. Wow. They quit stealing. When I gave them what they were going to steal, it shocked them, but it scared them. They said, anybody do that, that's nuts. Well, that, but it also, uh, in a way, they started looking out for you, probably. Uh, I would think. It yeah. must have been telling yeah, the story. Like, okay, I, this but guy's a good guy. I just gave them guy. what they were going to steal, and I said, I'll just let the Almighty provide. He's the one putting the fish in their head anyway. But when I started doing that, I said, at Romans 12, I got to have Romans 12. Don't be overcome by evil, but, but overcome evil with good. I said, that's exactly what happened. I overcame evil with good. I just gave them what they were trying to steal. I mean, it either shamed them. Yeah. Or they thought he was crazy. Yeah. But, but either way, they quit stealing. Right. And word got around all up and down the river. And Dad's right. We we they quit stealing the fish. But That's you think amazing. about it. How many put that Romans chapter twelve into practice? They, That's right. They they just don't have the faith to say God will provide the fish. It's they, the missing element in the church today. It I is. Think. I think you're right. That's it. Okay, Al, so lots of people are going to see the film. Why don't you pray for them right now? Most absolutely. I mean, that's right around the corner. Father, I just want to come to you right now. And uh, just so grateful we have the opportunity to be who we are in you. Amen. That you have called us into a place of uh, forgiveness and love, uh, that we can have life change. And I know there's people listening that wonder, can, can my family change? Can I change? Can my wife change? And we know the answer is yes. And so I I pray uh, for a great uh, boldness among families, among people who are struggling today, uh, listening or watching this, uh, to make that decision because that will change not only the moment today but also the future and for families and generations. And so, Father, I just pray you continue to bless us. I pray for our nation. I pray, Father, that our nation will change because the people living in the home change and follow you and that therefore that changes in our entire culture so bless us in that uh father continue to use jim and in, in the ways you're using his ministry uh and bless him in that as well we love you we thank you for jesus in his name amen, amen. well you can hear the passion that al and phil have for christ and by the way the name of their podcast is unashamed and that's because they are unashamed of the gospel of jesus christ And I'm glad they could join me on Refocus. We both have the same aim, and that is to introduce people to Christ. The gospel message is also shared very clearly in their new film, The Blind. Uh, The movie comes out this Thursday, September 28th, and you can buy tickets in advance, uh, get updates, and help get the film in more theaters. So please get behind this great film by visiting theblindmovie.com. That's theblindmovie.com. And I'll tell you what, one of the highlights for me in that conversation was when Phil just plainly said it, you know, think about what this guy did for us. He came to us and said, I'll take away all your sins, cleanse you of all your sins, give you eternal life with me. Who wouldn't want to do that? And it's so plainly spoken. I loved it. That's exactly why we talk about the Lord and his testimony, his reality and what he did for us and what we've experienced. And you look at Phil's life again. What changes a man from a bar-owning brawler, drunkard, uh, drug user, womanizer into a God-fearing, God-loving person who 
thinks about his relationship with the Lord, thinks about his relationship with his family and his responsibility as the father and husband of that family. It's awesome. Romans 2.4 says, God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. I know that the Robertsons have shared God's kindness with literally millions of people through the platforms God has given them. And it's easy to see that's what they're all about. And let me tell you, it's real. I see it. I go to their home. They're still in the same old house. I'm sure they made millions of dollars, but they still live in the same old house. They added a little more living room extension for Phil, <laughs> but Miss Case said, look at the cracks. That's where we added on. I mean, the crack is still there. I mean, that's evidence of people that are grounded and know who they are in Christ. You can know that same peace and contentment that Phil and Al have found as well. There's an article I'd like to share with you called How to Become a Christian, and you'll see the link in the episode notes. Then, if you can help us to reach the culture for Christ and present more conversations like this one, please send a gift to support Refocus. Your gift is a tangible way you can make a difference in the culture, and we really appreciate it. Let's go to the inbox segment now. We have a voicemail from Brittany. Hi, Jim. This is Brittany. In today's cancel culture, I feel like if I speak the truth too bluntly, people will be quick to want to cancel me. But if I don't speak boldly enough, I'm afraid my Christian beliefs might be watered down to where they're just completely ineffective. How do I find the right balance in sharing biblical truth? Brittany, I think Phil's example is so good. I mean, he is direct and unashamed. And I think that's where we need to get to, where we can simply state it. But without any kind of confrontational meanness or uh, a tone of superiority in how we say it, we need to say it like, wow, we are amazed at what God has done for us. Let me share with you what that has been. And I think if we speak from that perspective, people get it. They make a little more wide berth to hear what we have to say. If we're trying to win the argument, it's not going to be successful, in my opinion. I mean, so often I've tried to do that. But I think we need to speak to what God has done in our lives very directly, hopefully winsomely, and say, like Phil said, I just want you to know this is the offer. Who wouldn't take that deal? And uh, if you go in with that attitude, I think you'll have great success. And when you don't, that's with the Lord. And who knows? I've heard so many testimonies of people years later recalling a conversation that they had with a believer, and it ended up making all the difference. One plants, one waters, and one reaps. And just try to know where you're at in that process with the person you're talking to. Thanks again for the question, Brittany. And since I answered it here on the podcast, I'm going to send you a copy of my book, Refocus. If you have a question for me related to the culture we live in, uh, send me a voicemail by clicking on the link in the show notes. And hopefully, I'll look forward to including it on an upcoming episode. Thanks for listening to Refocus with Jim Daly. Uh, tell others about it and like, listen, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And next time on Refocus, I'll have an interesting conversation with best-selling author Philip Yancey, who will help us to share the gospel with compassion to many who've struggled to overcome past hurts. And so somehow we're communicating the opposite of what Jesus said. We should come across as flawed people, thirsty people who have found a source, who have found something that satisfies, and it changes us, and it's good news, and we'd like you to have that too. That should be the image that comes across, I think, for Christians. 
That's coming up on the next Refocus with Jim Daly. God wants true disciples, ones that think like him, talk like him, walk like him, disciples that bring shalom to the chaos of this world. Pursue that path with the RVL Discipleship Series. Bible scholar Ray Vanderlaan will give you the tools to understand the Bible more deeply and inspire you to be a passionate follower of Christ. Watch the first episode at rvldiscipleship.com.